It's happy hour again from down at the Colmes Hotel on St. Charles Avenue in New Orleans under grey skies, but it's Christmas, so we just don't care. In the next 60 minutes, you're going to get to meet just three of the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans. And you'll get to hear some live music as well at the end of the show. You might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music. But you probably know that already. That's why you're here. So let's get right on with doing nothing but enjoying the next 60 minutes of Happy Hour together with me, Grant Morris, Mitch Foreman on the piano, and our special guest, Catherine Clamitis, who's an artist, a designer, and an author of her latest book called Looking Up. Catherine, thanks for joining us. Thank you. You're welcome. Cheryl Wagner is also an author, an author of a book called... Plenty enough suck to go around. Did I say that correctly? You did. Pretty good. She's also a contributor to the NPR show This American Life. And to my left, Bill Davis from Dash Rip Rock, one of the originators. It's so good to the see you legendary again, Legendary Bill Davis. It's great to see you again. I think in all these years I've seen you play, which has been now, uh, how many, 25 years you've been playing with Dash Rip Rock? At least, yeah. And it's great to see you because last time that we worked together was when I had a giant hit song on the Zephyr. That's which right. Was that awesome station you worked for back in the 90s. That was an awesome station. And you, you were, and you were awesome when you had a giant hit. Yeah, it was fun. But was you know, fun. we haven't changed at all. We still look great. Absolutely. It's amazing. For radio, we look awesome. Awesome, I know. And so does our fabulous piano player, the lovely, talented, always charming. Mitch Foreman. Excellent work there, Mitch. Hey, Beautiful. Hey, hey. Very oh, nice, Mitchie. Very nice, Mitchie. Oh, thank you. Up to lesson seven. Mitch, how are you? Well, very well, very well. It's our last show of 2011. Ah. We've done a whole year of shows. It's amazing. When What's was the first what? show? What, what month? The first show was a, a 12 months from now, so that would have been June. No, hang on. <laughs> that would have been last December. We started. Was it really in December? Yeah, it was last December. I think it might have been November. We did a couple of shows that were so crappy we didn't put them out on the web. But that's when we really started. So what do you think? We've done it for a whole year. Should we continue or just quit today? I think now that you have Howard Stern as the new co-host of, of It's New Orleans, isn't that the announcement? Or that's what's the big announcement Howard Stern made today. He's coming to join us at It's New Orleans uh, INO that's, Broadcasting. That's pretty that's amazing. Fantastic. It's a pretty coup, big coup for us. <laughs> I don't know how you guys are going to pay him. That's what I want to know. I know. We have to pay him, we have to pay him $20 million a year. And our total budget for the show is about $20 million for, you know, 100 for lifetimes. everyone. Well, don't yeah. cut my I, I think that's, the, that's like the, the, the mortgage for the columns as well. So. That's probably right. So we're going to have to make some austerity measures around here. <laughs> we're going to have to cut down the show to one guest. Uh-huh. Well, Howard Stern can talk enough by himself anyway. Can't he? Probably, yeah. Hey, listen, Catherine, when did you write this book anyway? Uh, I started last December, actually, and it started being um, a school project, and I graduated in May, and it kind of snowballed. Well, congratulations for that, at least. You graduated from school. Yeah, Loyola. Yeah. Um, But now what are you going to do? Are you going to be an author? (laughs) No. Um, No? (laughs) Probably not. I, um, this is like... You know, been edited a million times, and you yeah. know what? That's the trouble with writing books. is everybody knows better than you. Yeah, right? well, yeah. I um, I'm a designer. I freelance here in New Orleans and do painting and that kind of stuff. So you can do everything. You can paint. Not, not everything, but <laughs> well, but, not everything. You can yeah. paint, draw, design. What does design mean? Graphic design. It's like um, logos and business cards and marketing. And, and what did you do at school? What did you graduate in? Graphic design. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So you can yeah. do that at Loyola. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yep, I did four years there, and it was good four years. Yeah. So the thing about being on the radio is that you can be anything you want. Uh-huh. That you can, you can, but what the book is called Looking Up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. probably you should tell people why it's called Looking Up, because I don't think anybody listening to you would guess. <laughs> um, I have osteogenesis imperfecto, which is more commonly known as brittle bone disease. It's a genetic disorder that basically causes your collagen not to form correctly, which in turn causes your bones not to form correctly, and so if they break a lot. I thought um, collagen was what people got injected in their faces. That too. Um, it makes up, there's different types of it, but it makes up your ligaments and your tendons and your muscles, and um, so none of that is normal in me. You have abnormal muscles, abnormal ligaments, and abnormal Yeah, I mean, bones. my muscles probably not quite as much, but ligaments and tendons, they're definitely not formed correctly, so... I'm double jointed in a lot of places. And well, that's good, right? Depends. Depends. They come <laughs> out real easily sometimes. And oh, you mean that you put you can put your joints out of? Oh, pretty oh, much all of them. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh it really God. grosses people out. 
It's very entertaining. Can, can you do it on demand? Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. All well, done. I don't think I'm going to make you do that. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds a bit You cool. won't be able to hear it on here. Sorry. Okay. Um, so what, you can take your elbow and like twist it out so it's like on a weird angle. Pretty much. And then put it yeah. back in. Mm -hmm. And does it hurt? It depends on which joint. Some of them. Some of them do. So mm -hmm. you're not trying to do it on purpose. No, no, usually. no, no, no. Not usually. Okay. Not, only if I'm trying to grow somebody else. It depends. How, how often do you like to do that? I, I did that to my aide today, actually. Your aide? I did. Is your aide your dad, Hank? Who's no, no, no. I have I have an aide that comes during the day yeah. to help me out with stuff. I have, uh, you know, I mean, y'all can obviously see this, but I'm two foot seven and in a wheelchair and. Two foot seven. Yeah, woohoo! Hence the name, looking up. That's what I was trying to get you to say that yes. you were two foot seven. Hence, I didn't want to be the one to say it, just in yeah, case that's you know. Okay. That. That's okay. Two foot seven is. Uh, are you the Short. shortest person? <laughs> are you the shortest person in New Orleans? Uh, I don't know, actually. I have no idea. Two foot seven is pretty short. I, I would have to. I'd what's have to that? Do some that's, that's about like a golden retriever height or something like that. That's about right. Yeah, yeah. My parents that? are veterinarians, and they've always said you're about the size of a medium dog. <laughs> so, yes. Your parents are both veterinarians. Yes. <laughs> do you have oh, a medium-sized dog at home? I have two. You have two medium. I have four dogs, but two are medium. You have two, four dogs. Mm -hmm. I guess if your parents are both veterinarians, yeah. they have two each. Then. Yeah. Do you do you get to go out with the dogs and stuff like? Oh know? yeah. Oh yeah. So you, have this, pretty well you have this incredibly groovy, motorized-looking hover-around thing. Yes, yes. It's Is that actually, a specially designed thing for you? Um, when you order a wheelchair, it's like a basic, you know, it comes basic first, and then you kind of customize it for whoever's going to be in it. Customizing um, usually means putting stickers and stuff on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've done that, but um, no, like the seat is done for me with my measurements, and, right. you know, the controls are mine, and, you know, that kind of stuff. But you're not paralyzed, though. No. You can move around and yeah. do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I can't walk. My bones aren't strong enough. Oh, okay. To walk. Yeah. There was a yeah. uh, pretty well-known pianist named Michelle Petrucciani that I believe had. I thought it was called. He called it glass bones disease. I think that might be you, a different one, but I'm Is not 100 percent sure. What happened to him? He was he was from um, he was from Colombia or somewhere, right? I think he was Mitch. French. No, was I he think French? He was French. Yeah. They used to carry him out onto the stage yeah. and sit him down on the piano stool. Do you ever mm -hmm. see this guy play, Catherine? No. Bill, you ever see this guy? No. What was his name, Mitch? Michelle Petrucciani. Petrucciani. Hmm. You ever see him, Cheryl? No. This guy he was, was, he was, was probably your he height. And he would sit, they would carry him out and put him down on the piano stool, and he would play like unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's, he's great. What happened um, to him? I believe he passed away a few years ago. Um, well, he was. You've been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was awesome. Great, he was also yeah. an incredible womanizer, I believe. Oh, right. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess he was pretty wealthy, too. He's a successful piano concert. Yeah, I think he, did, he did very well. Anyway, I thought you might know him. Or yeah. I'm not yeah. quite sure if it's the same uh, illness. So there's two, th there's glass bones and brittle bone disease. I'm not 100% sure There can't be two. There can't be But he could hammer the piano, so his bones didn't break like crazy. Well, you can draw. Well, there's different levels of it. Um, there's different types, and I just happen to be one of the more severe. But mm. a lot of people that have it, they don't actually know they have it until they just randomly break a bone one day, and they can't figure out why. Wow. And then they get tested. That's, like, the least severe. And they can walk, and usually they're just a little bit shorter than most people. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a really big variety. Yeah, so you can, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ways you can have brittle bones. Yeah. That hasn't held you back at all. Look what you've I accomplished mean, already. How old are you? Like, oh, you don't have to 22. answer that. 22. 22? Yes. And what is this, your fifth book or fourth book? No, no, no. No, it's my first. I mean... What about these other books? What, are you saying there's misinformation on your website? I've done... No, I mean, those are school projects. Those are not... Oh, it you know, says they're books They're not here real. They're I, not I real. Oh, see, it's, that's the thing. You can be anything. It's a portfolio website. Oh, okay. you know. oh I see. Okay, all yes. right. I thought you were... You, but yeah, but no. you have um, pretty... So what are the other ones? The other ones are books, but they're just not big books. Yeah, I mean, one I did... Um, the Flamingo one is actually my junior project, which is probably perfect for the show, but um, it's kind of a ridiculous premise, but I took... What are you getting at? That's a ridiculous <laughs> premise. Would be I took two plastic lawn flamingos that are painted like Saints players <laughs> around New Orleans and did a day in their life. Ah. And it's it's laid out like a timeline, so you know you okay. see them getting up in the morning, and then they go, uh, you know, they have a visit with a voodoo priest, and they um, they go to the French Quarter, and did you do you stuff. smoke do you smoke pot? 
<laughs> no. You don't? <laughs> no. I know your dad's sitting over there right there looking yeah, right at me, sure. but he's, he was... You don't, because I wonder where you get an idea like that. Because Bill smokes a lot of pot. Uh, it's kind of trippy, the whole yeah, voodoo thing. It is the voodoo like from Saints Flamingo. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. I mean, it kind of came from a friend had given them to me because she wanted them painted like Saints players. Okay. And I needed an idea for a project. Well, that's the kind of friends you want who've got flamingos they need to be painted. <laughs> that's like. also a good way to get sued by the NFL painting flamingos actually, like the Saints because well, they'll say that's our colors. We're, we own those colors. Actually, this book was going to be published by Arthur Hardy as well. And we couldn't because of oh, NFL. Yeah. My, my attorney, Bill well, they Davis. Tr- they tried to take away Houdat. They tried to own Houdat. Right. You know, was like just a word, a couple of words, you know. So. Well, they couldn't. How can they own black and gold, for God's sakes? No. They can't. no. They can't. So Arthur Hardy's just a sort of a coward. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> really? We, just, we don't want to get in trouble, you know. Black and gold, you can't, surely, you can't, you can't copyright the colors black no. and gold no, on a flamingo. No, no. no, but I mean, these flamingos have. Like the Saints logo. Flirt Oh, well, that's different. Yeah. So, hey, Bill, so he, that, the song, Let's Go Smoke Some Pot, was what year was that? 93? It was 95. 95. Yeah. That was a good giant segue hit. there, Grant. I'm trying to yeah, get, yeah, I'm trying to get back onto the Let's pot. See, trippy thing. flamingos. Pot. pot. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you, are you still smoking pot? You're still crazy. You know, I never was really much of a pot you, smoker. Really? We, we sort of, you know, the whole thing with Let's Go Smoke Some Pot at the time, as you well know, we were making fun of all the jam bands that were just ruling the airwaves at the time, like Widespread Panic and the Spin Doctors and Blues Traveler and uh, Dave Matthews. And, you know, back in the 90s, all these bands were so huge. And all that, you know, and they were just, people were flocking to their shows and everybody was just getting stoned. And it's sort of like you had to be stoned to like their music because their music was terrible. You know, it was this ongoing, like, repetitive, you know, stuff that, you know, I'm a pop fan. You know, I love... You know, I love the Beatles and I love pop music and, and I much re- prefer that over music that is just like, rep, you know, repeats right. itself over and over and over. And well, just that, gets was the, that was the jam band thing though, right? I know. It still is. I mean, it's still huge, huge you know. Um, so anyway, and, and when we did Let's Go Smoke Some Pot, we were like, hey, let's go smoke some pot and go watch a jam band because that's <laughs> all we can do. Because, you know. See, that, that brings up an interesting point because it, the, one of the things about being a clown which, which is kind of what you are. At the time, but we were, yeah. I'm trying to, ch- I'm trying trying to, to be, shake that whole the whole clown thing. That's the thing, is that it masks, sometimes it masks an incredible ability, which you, you're an amazing songwriter and an incredible guitar player. Well, thank you. And the thank band you. is really great always. The three guys you have with you are always, I mean, the other two guys are always great. Yes, yes. And, so, and sometimes when you're like, and, but your whole thing is this entertainment which is like a wacky show and a wild show and yeah. crazy lyrics. It really, it has been. That's sort of been our, our, our hallmark. But we, you know, we've, I think that as we get older, we're just trying to move away from, from, the, uh, from the cartoon yeah. uh, goofiness of what we used to be. You know, and that was, it played great when we were young. And, uh, and I just think as I mature a little bit, I hate to say that word mature. But well, there's, as, you there's know, a difference between aging and maturing. There you go, that's true. But you know, I, you don't I really, have to mature. I do feel like you that. Have I, to I, age. I'd, I'd rather be known for my songwriting abilities, my, my guitar playing abilities, r- than being some sort of joker. But you know. But, but that's the thing is when you are when you are good enough, you have to be really great to be a clown. Exactly. You have, you have to master the art well, that's to make the whole fun thing. of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes that's lost on people who just go to see a show and they're just they're just smoking pot and going, you know, having fun. Exactly. Well, you know, Steve so, Martin is a serious banjo player. He's mm-hmm. awesome. So. On occasion, he jumps out and plays banjo, and everybody's like, wow, you know, he's right. a great musician. Why is he a comedian? So anyway, that's sort of... So do you want to be taken seriously now, suddenly? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it possible? Well, so it, it is possible, because, you know, at the, the thing about Dash is we had that one hit, which was a joke song, and, and but it was just like an island of this thing that happened in the 90s, and, and you know, we've had a 27-year career... And, you know, around that one island of that joke song, we've written Roots Rock and Rockabilly and Punk Rock that was, you know, pretty straightforward. And, you know, and now we're sort of moving into like this hard edge Americana thing where we're, uh, we're, you know, we're we're not taking ourselves totally serious. We're just, you know, not being a novelty is what I would like to to say. Okay. So you try to, can you take, are you taking the same audience with you or are you looking for a new more... Serious, intelligent. You know, audience. the audience grew up with us, and, and they enjoy the jokes, but they really do enjoy it when we kind of just buckle down and play real music. Let's and play buckle down and play some real music. You want me to do that? Yeah. Okay, I'd love to. What do you want to buckle down and play? I want to play a song that I wrote about my grandfather. This one's called "Big Daddy Like the Whiskey." Okay, Bill Davis. Okay. 
Ronan stored from here the moon Get drunk as skunk Easter June Oda says service is a rebel yell Dig a hole, swim right straight to hell Big Daddy like the whiskey Oh, crow is his elixir of life Big Daddy like the whiskey But it cut him up just like a bowie knife Floating out, it gets his pond. He'd soak in the Carolina sun. Fish of old brim and drink it like a fish. J-Dub dances, this man's wish. Big Daddy like the whiskey. Oh, Crow is his elixir of life. Big Daddy like the whiskey. But it cut him up just like a bowie knife. Busting out in the August night Bust to some jack to feel all right Floating on down by Savannah Dam Jim Beam was a good old man Big Daddy liked the whiskey Oh, Crow is his elixir of life Big Daddy liked the whiskey But it cut him up just like a bowie knife I'll repeat after me. Well, Big Daddy liked the whiskey. Do it. Big Daddy liked the whiskey. We waited. Just... For... Oh, we're back. Big Daddy liked the whiskey. There you go. Mitch got it. Mitch got it. I was trying to do the call had... and response. Well, we had our mics turned off, though, so oh, you, you would sound better. Is the song finished or... Let's, let's try the call and response thing. I'll say Big Daddy like the whiskey, and y'all say Big And we'll say Big Daddy like Do we have to yeah. sing it in tune, or can we just no, say just it? No, just scream it, yeah. Just say it, okay. Well, Big Daddy like the whiskey. Big Daddy like the whiskey. Big Daddy like the whiskey. Yeah. Big Daddy like the whiskey. Big Daddy like a whiskey. Oh, Cheryl, yeah. you're not saying it at all. Thank you, Mitch. What's wrong with... I heard some piano on there. <laughs> I didn't hear Catherine or Cheryl. Leave that to Kyle or Patrick. Oh, that's right. that's the guys in the band here and later they're gonna say, I heard you doing my part on the radio and it just didn't cut man, it. Mitch picked that right up. Yeah, no, see Mitch's that lesson seven uh, over the holidays paid off. We learned E. Good. We learned good, somehow good they job. taught him how to have an ear. If you're just joining us, it's Bill Davis from Dash Rip Rock. Big Daddy. Nothing says take me seriously like a song called Big Daddy Like a Whiskey. <laughs> Does it? Good point, Grant. Good point. Back to the booze. Yeah. Well, you've, we've, we're talking about how we're not writing songs about pot and getting fucked up and stuff. Booze, and, now, right. and now we're back on the booze. It was, quick, it was a quick trip well, to serious. You know, you'd be gutting a lot of literature if you took alcohol out as a motivation or a subject matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you are the author. With, with, you're the author. What are the main with alcohol? love, death. Really? Is it? Religion. Uh, intoxication. Alco- intoxication yeah. is a big driver of... Rock and roll. Literature. Well, rock and roll it is, but you're saying literature as well, sure? Sure, sure, sure. Like what, for example? William Faulkner woke up every day and drank a a tumbler full of whiskey every morning. Really? Yes. Old Crow? Yes. The Elixir of Life? I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. So there you go. (laughs) Do you drink a lot, Cheryl? You're an author. No, I don't. But I know a lot of authors, and I hear a lot of talk about it. And I went to English grad school and uh, was regaled with many tales of authors throughout history. Well, you might have gone in England. No, No, I don't don't go anywhere near England. Did you go to... And my compulsory Brit lit. You went to grad school in England? No. As a writer, you went to English, or where they speak English, or teach English. Well, it was the South, so they did speak English. The South of the United States? Yes. Well, you still got an English. education out of yes, it, though, right? Yes. So there you go. That didn't do too bad. And what is, um, what is your book, Plenty of Suck, to go around all about? Because um, I'm supposed to, I should say as a disclaimer, I'm supposed to know something about you, but I don't know one thing about you because... You're not supposed to know anything I am about because me because I was drafted and I know because, because Lee Hales was supposed to be our guest today, who's a, <laughs> a, who's a naturalist, hunter. a TV presenter, a science educator, and a real... Life crocodile hunter. Yeah, I feel like I'm supposed to wrestle an alligator to Could earn you? my chair here. Have you written anything about alligators ever? Well, you know, maybe in my next book that'll be covered. What's this book about? Um, that book, Plenty Enough Suck to Go Around, came out several years ago, and it's a three-year rebuilding tale about a neighborhood in New Orleans post-Katrina in Mid-City. So it's... Are it's you a, a Mid-City person? Um, well, I'm a... 
I'm a person yeah, okay. <laughs> who lives in, well, who had the misfortune of uh, rebuilding in Mid-City, or the fortune, depending uh, how you want to look at it. I don't, I don't wave Mid the Mid-City-ite or uh, Uptown flag or the Best Bank flag or whatever. I'm a citizen of the universe who okay. found myself washed up in Mid-City at a place in time. So you were living in Mid-City when Hurricane Katrina hit you and destroyed your house. Um, right. And, uh, well... This project, uh, it's still out there, it's still on the shelves, it's still selling, but it's kind of seems dated to me now. It's a, you know, it's a rebuilding tale more than a storm tale. It's about a group of people coming together to um, criticize each other, <laughs> build things, uh, destroy things. Sort of like Lord, uh, of the, Lord of the Flies. It really is. It's kind of like Lord of the Flies. Well, that's still around. Yeah, it really is. So maybe it's a classic like Lord of the Flies. Oh, it's time for drinks. What would you like, you guys? You want another drink? Oh, I'm sure, good, you good? Thanks. You I'm good? good Catherine's drinking a Cosmo. <laughs> what's Very in nice. what's in a cosmopolitan? It looks vodka it looks and cranberry juice. Vodka and cranberry. It does look it's a holiday extremely drink. festive, I must say, in a martini glass. <laughs> thanks. Um, so how do you feel about the book now then? Do you feel like it's dated enough that you don't want to sell it? Oh no. Uh, well as you know, as a writer, when you finish something, it's kind of in the can for you. So actually by the time that it came out, mm. I and you go around the country and talk about it. I, I kind of felt that it was, um, in a sense, in the past. But now that I've been working on another project for a while, it really does feel like a, a, a portrait of a place and time to me. It's like a snapshot. of. Yeah, what? it's definitely a snapshot. It's a three-year snapshot. But it's a personal story. It's your personal story. Yes, it's a personal story and a family story. And I was just trying to write as a person from Louisiana um, a rebuilding tale because a lot of the work that had been done at that point that I had even seen um, briefly in the national media, um, which I have the fortune to be able to contribute to and be a part of at times. And uh, in the when you United say States Times, are you Canada. talking about the New York Times? Yeah, I've written for New York Times Magazine. I've written for Canadian Broadcast Radio. I've written for National Public Radio a number of times. I've written done work for Harper's and different outlets. So. And are you from here originally? From yeah, I, I'm from Louisiana. Um, I've been here since um, I was a teenager, and, but I'm from originally a small town near here. What is it? Hammond. Hammond? Hammond's just across the lake. Yeah, well now, now Hammond has... Sushi. Hammond, uh, <laughs> when I grew up, was quite, was quite the it rural was the country. outpost. Yeah, it was the country. Now, um, after Katrina, everyone in Hammond complains that it takes a long time to go to the grocery store because uh, everybody from Metairie moved there. Yeah, everybody moved over to the North Shore, of course. Right. And you, but you came the other way long before that. Right, right. Like My that. mother had lived here a long time ago, and we have family in the area, so that kind of brought me here to... Well, it's a shame because Hammond's a good place to evacuate to if you have to. Well, it's far enough away to be safe. And I'll give you my mom's a, number. Okay, could you? Is she still there in Hammond? Yes, yeah, she's still there in Do you Hammond. evacuate to Hammond now? Uh, no, I don't evacuate to Hammond. But, you know, as a side note, if we're going to talk about Hammond, we need yes. to say that Bill has put in his time in Ponchatoula. I lived in Ponchatoula for a couple of years. Ponchatoula wow. is a great little town, the strawberry capital of the world. It is, yeah, mm -hmm. and it's right down the road. It's a stone's throw from Hammond, a strawberry's throw from Hammond. Mm -hmm. and and, it, you know, and interestingly to me, which you told me once, and I don't know if you want me to say it on the podcast. Yes, he does. But <laughs> one of his first bands was a esteemed Ponchatoula institution known as the Baptist Church Band, which I find interesting because I think a lot of people in music get their start in the, church. In the, in play, the South yeah, I play with church. the youth choir at the Baptist Church in Ponchatoula. I play bass guitar for them. You started out as the bass player for the youth choir in the Baptist Church in Pontchartola. <laughs> he played Oh That's Happy... That's a little known fact, you know. <laughs> I know. I thought I knew a lot about you he and He played Dash. Oh Happy Day. Oh Happy oh, Day. Happy Day. And why me? Why me, Lord? What have <laughs> I ever done? I think Mitch could help us out with Oh Happy Day, couldn't he? <laughs> yeah. Happy Day. Oh Happy Day. That's not bad. Now you're going to get Elvis meets Danzig <laughs> yeah. doing uh, Oh Happy Day. We're going to get the Misfits version of Oh Happy yeah. Day. Thank you, That was Bill. my first gig ever. The, was ba playing bass in the Baptist Choir. That was it. Did it give you a taste for showbiz? Or? It, big time. I totally, after that, I was, the, that's when, the, when I got bit by the showbiz bug. What, what was it that bit you? Was it people looking at you or the girls? It was, I don't know, you know, it's like we would, we would take the choir and go on the road, like we went and played Greensburg, and my grandmother came out to the gig, and she goes, oh, she, she said, I am so proud of you. <laughs> what were you wearing, like a little shirt and tie? And 
Uh, I think we wore kind of like hipster clothes, like 70s hippie clothes, because we were just, we were sort of Godspell. Oh, okay. Was y'all like, were, were y'all pre-up with people? That's what I want to know. We were like up with people, probably stole their whole act from the punch tool. <laughs> Isn't Baptist like hardcore serious? You know, it was pretty loose back then. You know, uh, it, I mean, it is serious. I, I, I really don't know why they allowed us to have a choir, you know, a, 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 hipster, a hipster swing right. choir. What happened to the rest of the guys in the band from the choir at the Baptist Church in Pontchartrain? I have no idea. I really don't you know. You haven't looked on I Facebook? I haven't, for I haven't kept up with their careers. They're probably musicians. You think they could be? They must No, have. no. Nobody? Nobody had any talent? <laughs> I'm not saying that. You know, it's just, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was a sing-along. I mean, it's, it's sort of like choirs in high school. Like, who do you remember from your high school choir at, at your school? Has any of them gone on to be um, Celine Dion? You know? <laughs> well, that's an interesting <laughs> question. I don't know. I have to think back to, were you in the choir at high school? Sadly, Cheryl? yes. Yes? Catherine? I also put You're in my in the time choir at high school, too. All right, Catherine. Too. Okay, now, that's awesome. Too. Well, not Mitch, high school. I Mitch was, everybody here was in the choir at high school. Yeah. Uh, I guess mine was more middle school. Middle school? Yeah, not high school, but... It was well, either that or silent sustained reading time. So nobody, that was the choice. Yeah, that singing was the choice. or silent sustained reading. Yeah, so I like nobody. that they used the word sustained yeah, back sustained then. Yeah, sustained makes it yeah, sound. Yeah, that puts you off, worse. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. sustained. We called re- it SSR, and yeah, nobody wanted to do that. What sort of school calls it silent sustained? Was it some sort of like a jail or something? <laughs> no, no, actually, it was an Episcopal school, and uh, another religious. I mean, you know, it was a great school. You know, we I had great eight years there, but. Yeah, but you learned to sing. So did no, you actually? No, no, actually, I I cannot sing. No. I see you didn't want to sing, whatever no. the chorus was. What no. were you trying to sing there? What was it? Big, Big Daddy, Daddy like whiskey. Big Daddy like whiskey. No. You wouldn't sing that because you're self-conscious about your voice. Uh, you know, you can't I'm sing in tune. The listeners. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, how yeah. did you get to stay in the choir if you can't sing in tune? Because I, I was kicked out of the choir for not being able to sing. In well, tune. I mean, we were like nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. Nobody yeah, kicks. so was I. <laughs> well. We, it's we scarred get, me forever. No, we didn't get kicked out of the choir for not singing well. We're, what could you get kicked out of the choir for? Uh, usually not behaving. Yeah. It shouldn't even happen that often. Were you a good so, student? Yes. Yeah. Yeah? I was a good student. I was afraid of my mother, so I was a good student. Okay. <laughs> what yeah. about you, Cheryl? Were you a good student at Hammond? Were you, did you go to school in Hammond as well? Um, I went to grade school at a Catholic school in Hammond, yes. So that's a big trip to go, I mean, journey to go from Hammond to writing for the New York mm-hmm. Times magazine and This American Life NPR's show. Is it? Yeah. From Holy Ghost? Holy Ghost was the name of the school you went to. Holy Ghost? God, I would have loved to have gone to a school <laughs> called Holy Ghost. What was the motto of Holy Ghost? Now you see me, now you don't. Uh, no. <laughs> I was at Holy Ghost in, well, it was a mix of eras. It was the singing nun era. The singing nun era. Yeah, the guitar the mass the era. That's oh. when the older nuns were getting angry because the younger... Um, guitar singing nuns were coming in. For real? Mm-hmm. It's like That's the happy birthday baby Jesus era meets the knuckle wrapping era of the, the um, sisters prior. And those sisters, they both, those era of sisters taught at your school. Yes. And then supposedly after they... So I learned two lessons. Yeah. Think about what they were. One of them is the kneeling down and um, measuring your skirt lesson. You know, like the three inches above the knee lesson. And the other one is that we're not wearing our habits anymore because we're singing Happy Birthday, Baby Jesus, dude. Wow. So those were... Those were they that were the was, two... That was the cultures at war in Hammond. And, and Hammond. Mm-hmm. And when they finished teaching... Okay, if we're going to get on Hammond, we're going to have Bill talk about the Kung Fu uh, oh, temple no, no. that was somehow, somehow, some way in Hammond at some point. And there's also, if we you're can. a music fan, a Roche's connection. Is that how you say it? Roaches? Roaches. Roaches. Yeah. You mean like cockroaches? No, like the band. Like the Roaches, the, the band. Yeah, the infamous... The Roach sisters. Remember uh, that? folk band. Yes. Yeah. Have a song about Hammond. Yeah, they had a song called the Hammond Song. Well, there's an it's organ like, as well. Yeah. You know. Hammond no organ. relation. Hammond the organ. Hammond Song is about not going back to Hammond or you'll get trapped in a kung fu temple. So this, really is, is, wow. this is some esoteric South Southern knowledge <laughs> okay, here. Okay, we're really we're getting dropping. to inside baseball stuff here now. <laughs> let's... Um, Let's come back and talk about a little bit more about Hammond. I want to. I want to know something about these nuns. I'm, when we come back, I'm just going to take one break for a moment. But I want to know something. These nuns, when they taught at the school, and they had these two warring factions of, you know, the old traditional. It was traditional a quiet nun. war. It's a quiet war. They would then have to go home and live in the same house. 
Well, whatever they That's live in, That's an interesting right? point. Until you retire, at, at which point you go to Rosaryville. Rosaryville. Okay, let's get back to that. Bill, Nunneryville. Nunneryville. <laughs> Is it really a place where old nuns go to retire? Yes, and it's very nice there. That sounds like it could be your next book. I'm going to do Write that down, please. That would be I'm such, not, a, I'm working that would be next such book. a boring book. Okay, we're well, on to you. Let's talk about our next books and our next projects when we come back. Right now, though, right. Mitch Foreman is going to play fill in the blank. It's called uh, Where Old Nuns Retire. Oh, did you just write that? No, it's actually the, it's the uh, Christmas song from Charlie Brown. Oh. Okay. It's Christmas time, isn't it? So. Yes. Nice. Very nice. Mitch nice. Foreman. Thank you. And it's a Charlie Brown Christmas. It makes you feel all Christmassy. We have a big Christmas tree here oh, at Collins okay. Hotel. And uh, it's a Charlie Brown Christmas. And there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. Also, it puts you in mind of, um, of real art, doesn't it? Like hee-haw. Hee-haw hell? Hee-haw hell. You ever heard of hee-haw hell, Mitch? No. Catherine? No. No? It's a punk rock opera. Uh, the people at Southern Review say that they are considering Bill Davis for the Louisiana State Poet Laureate based on the punk rock opera He Hall oh, Hell. hell. Wow. wow. Well, I mean, you know, this. I, I have a friend who is a, a, a DJ for Sirius and XM Satellite Radio. His name is Lou Brutus. And I don't know, maybe six years ago, he came to me with an idea to write a rock opera. And it would be a rock opera based on Dante's Inferno. And, you know, Dante, obviously, he goes through the levels of hell, and then he meets Satan, and he climbs back out. But instead of going, you know, the narrator, instead of going through the levels of hell, he just travels from town to town in the south. So the south is, in hee-haw hell, it's the south is hell itself. So the narrator goes, he goes to like a NASCAR party in Atlanta. He goes to a fraternity party in Tennessee. He goes to some sort of meth lab party in Florida. And, uh, and he meets Leonard, the ghost of Leonard Skinner. And so anyway, that's sort of, it's, Hee Haw Hell has numerous characters. And we have cantos between each song. And so I mean, it was this high art that we did back five years ago. And I love the way it came out. We had some of our friends read the cantos, like Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys. Mojo Nixon played the part of Beelzebubba, who is, of course, <laughs> Satan. Great. And then, uh, and then, you know, other friends of mine from Nashville, 
played just the characters throughout the whole the saga, and uh, and it's great, and the songs fit in, and so it's an opera, and you know I'm I'm really proud to say that we are the only uh, Louisiana band that has a rock opera. You know, take that Radiators, Very take good. that Neville Brothers. Yeah, really, come on. <laughs> and do you perform it, the whole thing, as a piece? When, when we first released it, we performed it at the Rock and Bowl of all places. Oh, because, wow. the, of course, the owner of the Rock and Bowl is John Blanchard. He's a strict Catholic. He's very serious. Yeah, very serious guy, about religion. Yeah. And so, luckily, he let us put on this um, satanic play in his, into the Rock and Bowl. And, uh, and it, you know, and, and at the end, he came on and did a disclaimer. He goes, he said something about the Mother Mary and, you know, the... Rock and bowl is, you know, it, it was. It turned out to be this hilarious um, sort of. Uh, Only in New Orleans, <laughs> right? It, it was. Actually. It was great. It was great. But he was a real good sport about it, and uh, and that's so. That's where we performed the entire play with all the cantos. But we also did it at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas, that year that we released it, and it was released on Jello Biafra's um, record label, which is called Alternative Tentacles. So. And how did you get hooked up with Jello Biafra? You know, um, Jello kind of runs with the same, you know group of guys that, that I came up with in the 80s, like, you know, John Doe of X, Mojo Nixon, uh, the Beat Farmers, um, he, he's just, he's kind of like in in this haywire political uh, craziness, you know, um, that sort of we were contemporaries, and then he was a fan of our band, we found in the 80s when we first met him, and he had collected all of our records, which is awesome, you know, I was just like, okay, so you, you paid, he paid $20 for one of our 7-inch singles from 84, and uh, it, it just, I was impressed. And so, yeah, I'm impressed to hear that too. Yeah, because I mean, we were fans of Dead Kennedys. Right. It's right. great to know the Dead Kennedys are fans of yours. That's well, like... he's a huge record collector, you know. And uh, he came to town this year, and we did a show uh, during Jazz Fest where we played all New Orleans standards. It was Jello, it was Fred LeBlanc from Cowboy Mouth, Pepper Keenan from Down, and uh, and uh, some the horns from uh, from Egg Yolk Jubilee. And when he was in town, he hit every record store. And, and just spent hours and hours like at Euclid and Jim Russell and, and uh, Louisiana Music Factory. So he's a crazy record collector. So. And what are you working on now, Bill? What's the latest? We've got a couple of things working on now, but I'm really excited that we're doing a record up at Studio in the Country. It's in Bogalusa. We're working with Ben Mumphrey, who uh, worked with the Pixies and Frank Black. And, uh, and he's producing our next all-original Dash CD. And then uh, at the same time, we just recorded a record down in Homa with Tab Benoit, the blues guitar player. He produced a tribute record that we made for Billy Joe Shaver. We did 12 Billy Joe Shaver songs. Uh, Billy Joe Shaver is a famous songwriter. Uh, came up with Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, a Texas troubadour guy. And he's sort of been forgotten, and we just we kind of wanted to do uh, just this tribute to him because he re- he's getting, getting older, and uh, it's, it's kind of an homage to Billy Joe Shaver, so well, that's cool. So that's what that's that's the stuff you're working on right now. Yeah, we're in the middle of doing both of those. So, so both ones in Homer and ones in Bogalusa. I know, isn't that great? You're doing like the yeah, rural Louisiana around. studio yeah. tour. I know. Huh? Yeah, who needs L.A. and New York when you got Bogalusa? Who and needs Homer? Hammond and Ponchatoula now? <laughs> exactly. Now we're back on to Bogalusa and and Homer. Hey, Catherine, what are you working on now? Um, well, my book just came out in November, so I'm doing a lot of so you're doing publicity and, yeah, for that. What does that, that entail? You have to go around and <laughs> hawk your own books. Um, Anyone like a drink while we're here? Hang on a second. Anything else? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you're you. good. Catherine, you're still mm-hmm. drinking that cosmopolitan. Okay. Bill, no, another one. No, we're good. Oh, uh, we're fine. Is Thank that? you. No, I'm good. Thanks. Oh. I've got it right over here. If I have it put on the table, I'll spill it on the equipment. <laughs> thanks. Though. Thank you. So, so we, what do you do? Who organizes that? Arthur Hardy, of course, is the publisher he's of your book. He's my publisher, yeah. He's famous for sort of his Mardi Gras stuff. He is Mr. Mardi Gras, yes, he is. But he's also a really great publisher. Um, he knows a lot of people and has really good connections. He's got good hair. And, uh, he does have good hair, yes. Awesome hair. Yeah. Yes, he does. Nice mustache, too. I heard it's anyway. a wig. Is it a wig? It is not a no, wig. It's no, it's not. Bill, that's a terrible no. thing to say. He, no. Does he have? Um, oh, I can't wait till he listens to this. Um, <laughs> does he? Does he have you out on the road doing stuff and um, traveling around? We're, we're trying to get my book is um, kind of educational as well as just about me, but it's a lot about the disease and because a lot of people don't realize that there are different types and right. that you know people with this disease are not um, usually mentally disabled. You know, so I get a lot of you know people thinking I'm. Two and three and yeah. So are you serious? You don't oh, look oh, two and three. No, you you look don't. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. 
Um, you look 22 with your Cosmopolitan in your hand. Yeah, I don't think there'd be a three-year-old here tossing back a Cosmopolitan. <laughs> what, do, what do people say to you when they think you're two and three? Two. Oh, That's... look how cute she is. And, really? Oh, I mean, one of the best ones is, she's driving that wheelchair all by herself. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's wow. stuff like that. I mean, it's, I, I've heard a, a lot of What sort of comeback do you have for that? Um, Ignore. I, it depends, you know, it depends on my moods. Sometimes, you know, I say, yes, she is, you know, or something like that, or, you know, actually, I'm 22, not do you two. say do you, do you say go fuck yourself or anything? No, no, no. I'm I not would, that I would be so tempted to do that. Have you uh, ever, you don't ever do that? No, no, I haven't. I've, oh, God. You need to hear a real deep voice, like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. You need to hang out with me more often. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't know that's about not, that. That's but, not the right uh, thing to say at all. But so yeah, say, thank and, uh, you, Grant. That would be great. <laughs> yes, that would be great. Oh, well, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, but I'm busy anyway. <laughs> um, really? So, but you don't have any comeback there. You just no. You're, I mean, you're too polite. And it nice. depends. I mean, like it was little kids, and they say or they stare. Or they, you know, I mean, that's you know, that's okay. You know, they don't really know. Right. But um, when they're old enough to know, you know, that's when it gets very frustrating. I mean, it's not polite to stare at anybody. You know, whether they're... I mean, you know, it really okay. isn't. So, well, people, you know... People who stare at you, I've oh, found no. are... Not just you, but people who stare at each other. Like, if you're having a conversation with someone who is just too intensely looking at you, it's very it, off-putting. It is. And usually, usually I stare back at them, and it scares the bejesus out of them. It's yeah. great. Usually they run away. You know, Do they really? Usually, because it's, like, in a mall or, you know, some public place, and they just run away, you know? But you don't look... Weird at all. You look like a normal. I mean, well, you're looking you. at you across the table. You're like a normal person. I appreciate person. that. But well, the yeah, only thing you so until you look down and then you see that there's no more. Well, thank you. It's just the golden retriever size. Yes, exactly. So what is it? What are they staring at? They're staring at the wheelchair aspect. Usually the wheelchair, or yeah. you know, the fact that I'm driving it and not mm. running into things. And how fast? Not usually. How fast does that thing go? Um, six to seven miles an hour. <laughs> usually. That's pretty <laughs> fast. It can. It can. It can move. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's you actually... off-roading later. <laughs> Bill wants to ride on the back. Yeah, great. Actually, there's... A, I'm explicitly told not to do that. Mudding. But, uh, I think really? it's called mudding. Yeah. Really? It's yeah. called mudding? Yeah, when you go in the mud. In your, in your four-wheel drive. Yeah. Well, in your ATV. <laughs> but who told you specifically not to do The manufacturer? The, the, the manufacturer. Yeah, this comes from Germany. And it retails at thirty-six thousand dollars. Oh Lord, they don't. So mud it's in not Germany. like, yeah, it's not wow. like a cheap little. It's a Mercedes Benz of. Yeah, and I mean, you we should have get it sponsored. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Like the Superdome. We um. It would. <laughs> should. Who makes it? Um, Permobile. It's a. It's a pretty big wheelchair company. It's one of the big. Three. Did you Did you pay thirty-six thousand for it? No, we did not. We have very good insurance, thank God. Yeah, really. And, uh, Talk about pre-existing condition. How did you get away with that? You'd have to ask my dad. I, I will ask him. Ask I him, really don't I can't know. get health insurance for love or money. Really. Yeah, he did that when I was born. So really, I before you were born, that's the trick. Mm -hmm. Get health insurance before you're know. born, then it's too late. Yeah. wonder if Obama thought of that one. <laughs> yeah, I doubt it. Um, if that's in the new Americans Health Act. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but, um, I mean, you know, we have to have a special technician come out and work on it. From and Germany? It, no, 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 no. He's, he's, where is he from? He's from around here. He's from maybe Homa. But uh, I mean, it, right, right around. No, not Hammond. Bogalusa. Pontchartrain. Yeah, one of, one of those. One of the I don't remember, but he's. I mean, in the country. Yeah. He's been working on my wheelchair since I was four. So, I mean, you know, he's very specialized and knows what. What goes wrong going. with it? Um, actually, right now, I probably need to get a new set of front tires because the front treads. Front tires, let's take a look. The treads are worn off again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that can and be dangerous. Um, it gets a break? little slippy. Yeah. It's a little slippy, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and then... I uh, like to do that. But, I mean, I've been driving a wheelchair since I was two. So, so I mean, I'm pretty... pretty good. I'm pretty in control. Do you normally. do any... Are there any races? Uh, not that I participate in. But there are. No, I'm sure there are. Yes. I'm sure there are. We can go get you a wheelchair and well, we I can just have <laughs> at it. You must have been Don't a mature two to drive a wheelchair because every two year old I know that if you put them in a wheelchair, they just totally crash through the window. Um, I, I had my share. I had my share. <laughs> did you? You had some good accidents? I did. I did. Yeah. I, um, and one of the worst things was my, I used to hang my feet off my foot plate in the front and I'd run into a wall and oh. smash them between the wall and the plate. Yeah, that was really painful. 
That is would be bad for anyone, let alone someone who's yeah. got brittle bone disease. That yeah. must just smash your toes to pieces. Pretty much. Well, what's your next art, your book project, or your next art project? Are you doing more Saints-themed flamingos or, or <laughs> no, what's on the horizon Not for until you? Uh, NFL lays off a little bit. No. Um, I, uh, I'm not really sure. You know, I'm working on this a lot, and I'm taking a bunch of freelance clients for um, design work and logo work and that kind of stuff. Um, I do a lot of pet portraits. And right now uh-huh. it's really busy because it's holidays. And oh, interesting. Pet portraits. Yeah. People like to have the photos of their dog. I mean, painted. dogs painted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I saw yeah. that on your website, actually. I looked at mm-hmm. that. I have that. I have a, a note on that. Yep. And because uh, I was interested in the price of that. The price? It yeah. depends Found on the customer. Cheap. Very cheap, I, I thought. Um, what, what would you do a dachshund for? It depends on what size you want. Um, what are I the do prices? I guess I could just ask you rather What's than the weight of the dots. How much is a small one? Because I thought it was extraordinarily cheap. A small cheap. one, Here four by six. Usually yeah. somewhere between sixty and eighty. Um, Isn't that cheap? You it, have to paint a whole. It's not expensive. And yeah, it's small expensive. is not necessarily Easy, easier no. to paint. It's just no, I guess actually, you have to buy less paint. That Chihuahua actually right there at the bottom of that page. Yeah, that's a four by that. six, and. Uh, that was not nice. easy. No, that not was not e- no easy. it's not easy to paint. I mean, yeah. just because it's small, in fact, that's more difficult sometimes, isn't it? It depends. I mean, physically, it's easier for me, just yeah. proportion-wise. How do you get the you dog know. to sit still? Because our dog won't sit still. Oh, no, no, no. We take photographs. Oh, No, no, you. no. We all do that. So no, someone no, no. takes photos. So, they sit, so we can send you photos of our dog. Exactly. And you all paint right. him or her. Right. And I do 4 by 6 um, 10 by 7 and 9 by 12 So. Okay. So... So I think sixty bucks is too cheap, don't you? Well, Cheryl? it's pretty rare pr- that they run that to the, toward the low ends. Oh, really? I mean, yeah, usually they run more. You know, it depends on how many hours and you know. How I many mean, how many dogs? Do you, I mean, people don't want photos of their cats, do they? Sure. No, yeah, some some do. Oh, really? Some do. Can't some do. Lately, that. it's been a lot of dogs, but I've done cats. Really? Anything else besides cats and dogs? Um, I mean, I personally radio host, podcast yeah. host. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't? Do you do people? I I hate doing people. Why is that? You really just, secretly I hate people? No. I, well, not secretly. I certainly love my dogs usually more than most people. But um, no. No offense. Yeah, no offense. It just, you know. Thank you it's for that thinking whole I'm a unconditional love thing. But uh, well, they love you unconditionally. Oh yeah. But people are more judgmental, so they're not going to love you true. conditionally. That's why dogs love you more. That is true. I don't know why people have trouble figuring that out. It also helps that you feed them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's It also major. helps that they have a very, very low IQ compared to me, say. Uh, yeah. Which is average. Mm-hmm. Dogs below average, it's even my IQ. Perhaps. So that's why they're just totally infatuated with it. That's but it. isn't that weird that people think that the unconditional love of their dog is so great? It's only because the dog doesn't have any powers of judgment. Oh, I don't if know If the about dog that. knew what you were thinking. Oh, I don't know about that. My, my really? dogs are very smart. Yes, they are very good at getting into things they should not. They, they, okay. Yeah, they're they're very smart. You'd be surprised. Okay, I'd like to meet them. What are their names? Um, I have we have an Italian greyhound, which is my dog out yeah. of all of them. Her name is Faye. That was good. just Mitch. Mitch, <laughs> it was just me. Sorry. That's okay. What? Well, he just fell over the piano again. That's drinking. <laughs> Here's Dr. Ross as well. The whole gang's here. Yeah. Hey, Bill. Well, I have to get you to play another song. Okay. I can't think of a good segue. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, um, what are you thinking of playing? What uh, are you going to play, in fact? I really don't know. I had kind of a. That sounds good so far. Yeah, doing good. Yeah. You guys know that one? Don't play anything that we have to sing along and embarrass ourselves. Yeah, exactly. This one's called I'm Gonna Paint the Town Red with the Blood of Your Broken Heart. I'm gonna paint the town red with the blood of your broken heart. I'm gonna paint the town red with the blood of your broken heart. Yeah, maybe I'll go downtown. I'd be the place to start. thought you were gonna put me out and you could still be my girl yeah you thought you were gonna put me out 
And you can still be my girl Said you want some space Go out there and take it now You got the whole wide world my Cadillac I'm gonna use your tears I'm gonna wash my Cadillac Eldorado I'm gonna use your tears I'm gonna take your skull and bones and make a chandelier Yes, I'm gonna paint the town red With the blood of your broken heart That's right, baby I'm gonna paint New Orleans, Louisiana red With the blood coming out of your broken heart Maybe I'll go down to the columns That'd be the place to start Got a whole crowd here. <laughs> You're attracting some people, yet you scared the high tea ladies away. Yes, <laughs> as soon as you started there within that with the chorus. With so the blood coming out of your heart, they yeah. were like, um, we can need to get the baby Yeah, they now. just took off, they took off. They're standing out in the hallway now talking to each other. It's not like they had to go anywhere. No, right? I think they <laughs> want to come back. Girl. They're protecting the child. Yeah, I know. I, I'm sorry. That's I okay. probably could have well. played something more Christmassy than No, blood. I think that's no, cool. Red is a Christmas color. Feeling yeah. the Christmas spirit I thought it was that. a very Christmassy. That's nope. a certain type of Christmas. Right. I think maybe we've all had that Christmas. That, that song was on our last record that was released this year called Call of the Wild. So. Okay, and, and it's, it's available, available on iTunes. There you go. Check it very out. Very nice. Yes. Hey, um, I wanted to ask you, Cheryl, because you mentioned in passing somehow earlier before that you work on This American Life. No, I'm, I'm, a, well, a, contributor. I'm a contributor. Yeah. What does that mean? What do you contribute to This American Life? Well... Story ideas and okay. stories. So what did you come up with? Which one? Oh, a number of them. What do you so mean? So what happens? I'll so you send you the link to my page. Yeah. Well, we'll put the link to you. With the, we have a link to your page on our website already. Uh, oh, do you? Yes. Okay. So what, what is, what, will you come up with a story idea for, for them, for like some quirky thing that happens in New Orleans or in Louisiana that you know about? And then you just you call it up or email them and tell them, hey, I got a good idea for a story. And that... Things work different ways for different shows. Sometimes they have theme shows that they have set as a pre-existing thing, and they're working, um, and they're s soliciting from previous contributors for that. And other times you can just pitch like you would to a normal um, magazine or media outlet, if that's what you mean. So if you're talking about the, nut the nuts and bolts. Yeah, of yeah, like I'm just wondering about how they get stories for this American life, because you just always imagine that, that somehow they... Oh. These things find them. Um, well, sometimes they do. It's a large variety of ways. I also know that a lot of the producers on the staff um, read uh, um, widely, and um, so you know they might see uh, work. They might hear about work from a contributor or an associate, but they might also read something on a in a literary magazine or a webzine or somewhere or just on the street, and then someone will have an idea who is on the you know the daily staff to to um, to uh, expand that into a longer story and, and something that becomes a theme for a story can also become a theme for a whole episode. Did you get hooked up with that because you were a journalist already? Um, no, they read some of my work in, um, I think in another literary outlet and okay. liked it oh. and called me. And where, where was that? Where were you published that they liked? This was so long ago. I mean, this has been going on, um, you know, I've been writing a a, a bit of time, not forever, but um, it was one of the early online literary magazines. It was called OpenLetters.net, and a very smart and interesting writer named Paul Tuff, who now does 
uh, he later went to on to work at New York Times Magazine and, and various places. But now he, he, I think he's primarily a, an author who writes about uh, the educational system in, in the United States. Uh, he at the time was um, editing an online literary magazine uh, that was putting out some voices that he liked. And uh, so I was in it. Sarah Val was in it. Uh, a, a ton of people were in it, but it, it would only it only uh, was online for a year, but it was one of the early uh, online it's, literary magazines. It's interesting, isn't it, when you do Craig something? Craig Taylor, yeah. When you do something like that, that you're just doing it because you want to do it, and someone who appreciates you publishes your work, and I'm sure you didn't get paid anything for it. And oh, for open letters? Yeah. Um, Almost yeah. nothing, I'm sure. Well, or yeah, or open, absolutely nothing. And I was also a member of the editorial team, so like, if you have to count the number of hours, if you've ever worked on a literary magazine, you know what the hours are. Well, look yeah. at me, you can see that I've worked <laughs> so on So we will, we'll say beyond not paid as that you go in the hole, you know. Right, so, but I mean, what I was going to say was, you do those things for nothing, and look what it's led to. There's people I met at that time that I'm still involved with professionally, and it, it's interesting. I, um, I randomly met uh, a, a writer named Pete Jordan. His name is also Dishwasher Pete. Like uh, prior to that, and I'm helping edit his new book now, his second book. But he, at the time, was a zine writer who uh, traveled around the country. Uh, his goal was to wash dishes in every in all 50 states, and I bumped into him in Mississippi and we so there is a lot of See, like, it's good to have attainable goals isn't yeah. it <laughs> you know that's he got on David get. Letterman though for it. he got on David Letterman because he achieved his goal and uh, Letterman had he really did are you serious yeah, because he was a good writer I think he wound up on Letterman his scene was I mean there were a lot of zines at the time that I thought were really good like Dishwasher zine and Comet bus and the uh, stuff that was online Pound. no this is like the this is the Kinko's era and the post-Kinko's era, right prior to the online literary magazine era. Like when you had to like get off your butt and go photocopy it and staple it and get a friend at Kinko's uh, to it. do it for you. You had to mail it out. You had to develop a mailing list. These were like, you know, specialized uh, publications for a specialized audience. That would, that would give you something to do during the day, though, rather than Facebook. <laughs> right. Which is what we're filling our time up with now. Uh, um, yeah, I think you. It's yeah. a literary pursuit, rather than banging out a blog. And do you think the standard of writing has decreased or declined? I should say since. Oh, I don't jump into that. Um, oh, really? Into that dis discussion because I don't want to sound like well, yeah. luddite. But I, I will say that probably there are benefits and trade-offs. And well, the benefit is that everyone can disseminate anything easily. Well, you're you writing more because you're not on the phone all the time. How about that? So now that you're <laughs> writing status updates and emails, you know, it could be a return to the letter writing era. Well, that's a nice way of looking at it. Yeah. Now, what about you? And your book's out now, Catherine. Yes. And anyone can buy it. It's available online as well? Yes. Can you download it to the Kindle or to your No, we haven't iPad? gone that far with it. No, we need, we need to see how it goes first in print. And actually, it's got a lot of photographs in it. Um, so it's definitely better as a physical book um, yeah. you know as I said it started off as a graphic design project so it is definitely designed as a book you know, so, so I don't pick know. it up as a book don't wait for it to come out on the iPad because it could be something yeah I don't know how it would do on an iPad well, I'm not beautiful sure. I, I guess I don't know I don't know I haven't got well, Arthur Hardy can figure <laughs> we'll that see. one out we'll see yeah exactly and, and, <laughs> and you're working on a book we have to wrap this up Cheryl so I'm just going to wrap up quickly you're working on a book as well um Yes, I'm working on a new book, and it's always a somewhat of a trying and, and long process that I hope to tie up soon. Okay, we do too, and we'll look forward to hearing more about it. We'll have a link to your site on, on our site. Catherine, we have a link to your site on our site as well. And Bill Davis from Dash Rip Rock, the legendary. Thank you. Father of country punk. That's right. It's been so <laughs> great to be able to sit down with you and have you play. Nice. Thank you, Grant. It's great to work with you again. It's Always been a pleasure. Great. It's been a fantastic show. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you, Grant. It's been great. Listen here. Our show is recorded live today at the Collins Hotel. If you're listening to this and you're not in New Orleans, but you're coming here and you need a place to stay, you need to book a hotel or a tour, or you need tips on what to do while you're here, check in with our friends at neworleans.com, the official New Orleans travel site. The producer of our show today has been Melinda Hawes and Chris Kehoe. Our technical director is Mitch Cry. Our musical director is Christian Unruh. Our web designer and link to the real world is Cliff Brigden. Mitch Foreman wrote and is playing our theme song. If you'd like to be on our show, you can drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. You can check out our other happy hour shows 
on our site. And you can also check out our other shows, including Out to Lunch with Peter Aschuti and Kathy Finn, live from the Commander's Palace Restaurant, Psych Ward with Dr. Ross Shields, and coming soon, Mindset with Nick Pajic and The Real Chris True Show with The Real Chris True. You can keep up with us by liking us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworms.com. For Mitch Foreman on piano, everybody here at Happy Hour and everybody at INO Broadcasting, I'm Grant Morris wishing you a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. We'll see you next year back here at the Columns on Happy Hour. Bye-bye.